from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. On this episode of Newt's World... 220,000 Americans dead. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? That's exactly what this is is where he's going. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe. We had a good relationship with Hitler. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up, but he has this thing about living in a basement. Is lecturing me on Social Security and Medicare? Come on. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. I'm going to talk about the second Trump-Biden debate and also about the state of the race as we go into the last two weeks. I think the great way to start this, that captures in a way how big the difference was from the chaotic first debate to this debate, Frank Luntz did a focus group and came up with a set of words for each candidate. This was at the end of the debate. And it's amazing how different the words are. According to Frank Luntz, his group, when asked, give me one word descriptions, for Trump, they said controlled, reserved, poised, 
con artist, and surprisingly presidential. I'm going to go back over those because four of the five are very positive, and you could not have gotten these out of the first debate. Controlled, reserved, poised, con artist, surprisingly presidential. Once, then ask him to do similar descriptions for Biden. And if I were Biden's supporters, this list would leave me very unnerved. Vague, unspecific, elusive, defensive, and grandfatherly. I'll let you draw your own conclusions, but I thought that the contrast between those is pretty remarkable and not what you would have expected necessarily going into the debate, particularly after the first debate. My second observation is that I thought that Biden was getting tired towards the end, and I thought that the mistake he made on openly talking about ending oil and gas was probably not something he would have done if he had not gotten worn down. But it was clear that just the sheer process of the debate had worn him down some. And that's probably the biggest single mistake either candidate made in terms of its impact on the election. Would you close down the oil industry? By the way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would that's transition. a big statement. That's it is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh. Because literally last night, within minutes of Biden saying that he would close down oil and gas, you had Republicans on offense in places like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, lots of places where there are jobs that relate directly to oil and gas. And when President Trump tried to point that out, he said, well, you just made news. That's a big thing. And then later on, he came back and said, folks in Texas aren't going to be very positive about you wanting to eliminate their industry. I don't think that Biden would have been that clumsy if he weren't tired. But the clumsiness is now permanent. And I can tell you, I already saw two Democratic members of Congress, one from New Mexico and one from Oklahoma, tweeting how much they opposed Biden's idea, which is not exactly what he wanted to have coming out of the, the debate last night. I thought while he was not as aggressive as he was in the first debate, I thought that Trump was able to, in a very straightforward way, bring up the Biden family corruption and stay on it, and then have Biden say, of course, none of it's true, I never took any money. But nonetheless, one of the things that came out of various focus groups after the debate was an increasing number of people, particularly independents, saying, look, I think we ought to get to the bottom of this, and I'm troubled by it. It's clearly having an effect in eroding Biden's support. And again, this morning, there are more articles about more aspects of the entire Biden, China, Russia, Ukraine situation. And I thought the president was pretty good at bringing out the $3.5 million transferred from the widow of the mayor of Moscow, which, by the way, has turned out to have an additional $200 million behind it in an investment fund. So that was all I thought kind of fascinating. I thought that both of them did a pretty good job on COVID-19. Trump's job was to explain that he moved aggressively that it's a worldwide problem, and that Biden opposed most of Trump's early activities, including cutting off travel to China, 
Biden came back, I thought, pretty effectively and said, look, 200,000 deaths. And it's a fact that it's hard to walk around from. And Trump then came back and pointed out that the places with the worst records were Democratic-controlled states, because Biden had cited New York as having done a great job of flattening the curve. And then Trump came back and pointed out, yeah, New York also had the highest total deaths of any state in the country, much higher than Florida, which actually has more senior citizens than New York and more people now than New York. So they sort of fought to a tie, I thought, on that issue. If you go and look at what's happened to New York, it's a ghost town. It's a ghost town. And when you talk about plexiglass, these are restaurants that are dying. These are businesses with no money. Putting up plexiglass is unbelievably expensive. And it's not the answer. I mean, you're going to sit there in a cubicle wrapped around with plastic. It's these are businesses that are dying. Joe, you can't do that to people. You just can't take a look at New York and what's happened to my wonderful city for for so many years. I loved it. It was vibrant. It's dying. Everyone's leaving New York. New York has lost more than 40,000 people, 11,000 people in nursing homes. On the economy, I thought the biggest vulnerability that Biden had was suggesting a $15 an hour minimum wage would really help small businesses. It allowed Trump to fall back into his I'm a businessman kind of background and to make the case, which every small business I know in the country would have agreed with, that a $15 minimum wage will kill small businesses, not help them. Then they got into, I thought, a very healthy argument about the effect of closing things down. And Trump made a point, which is absolutely true, that New York City has become a disaster. As the president pointed out, Manhattan is virtually a ghost town. The number of businesses that are closed up, the number of businesses on the verge of collapsing are amazing. And I think one of the big issues for the next two weeks is going to be whether we have an obligation to young people to have the schools open or we have an obligation to the teachers union to keep the schools closed. And I think this will become a very significant issue. I think the contrast between don't do anything the teachers union doesn't like and you want to get your child back to school may well be one of the big closing debates of this entire campaign in the remaining days. Hi, this is Newt. I want to invite you to sign up for a yearly subscription to my Inner Circle Membership Club. We're in a critical time in our history where the outcome of the next election will set us in a course of two very different American futures. As a member of my inner circle, you'll receive exclusive invitations to join my video conferences with 2020 election updates and my analysis of the upcoming presidential debates. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. Join my inner circle today at newsinnercircle.com. And if you sign up for a one or two year membership, you'll receive a limited edition Inner Circle Challenge Point, exclusive to 500 members only as part of your membership welcome package. And as an Inner Circle member, you'll receive an invitation to attend my members only event, Live with Newt, a discussion on the next presidential debate. And there are many other benefits of membership. Sign up for a one or two year membership today at newtsinnercircle.com. That's newtsinnercircle.com.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Clearly, Biden is going to try to campaign really almost entirely on COVID-19 and Trump's obligation. The fact that it is scary to see the virus continue as it is all over the world and to see that we don't seem to have a grip on getting out of it. On the other hand, the president's case is that we have a tremendous number of companies working on vaccinations and that he has already organized purchasing 100 million of the vaccinations and using the military logistics system to distribute them very rapidly once they're proven to be scientifically safe and usable. I think my timeline is going to be more accurate. I don't know that they're counting on the military the way I do, but we have our generals lined up, one in particular that's the head of logistics, and this is a very easy distribution for him. He's ready to go as soon as we have the vaccine. And we expect to have 100 million vials. As soon as we have the vaccine, he's ready to go. The question there is, do you want to punish the president because you're not happy with where we're at? Or do you think the president, in fact, has a pretty good plan to move to the next level and give us a chance to have a much better solution? As he put it, learning to at least live with the virus and then Biden came back what I thought was a pretty decent shot and said, look, people are dying with the virus and not living with the virus. But the truth is, statistically, of course, that 99% of the people do, in fact, recover. And while the virus is dangerous, particularly for elderly people with other conditions, overall, the virus is not radically dangerous if you're 25 or 30 years old or 15 or 10 years old. So 
that'll be a part of the continuing argument. I thought it had both the great benefit of being a good, rational, disciplined debate, and it had the great disadvantage of being a good, rational debate. And the reason I say that is when you have two relatively competent people who have spent all year developing their arguments, and they're out on the stage practicing their arguments, not a great deal happens. I don't think anybody had a gigantic breakthrough. I think on points, I would give it to Trump. I think on style, as Frank Luntz did with his focus group, I would give it to Trump. But he didn't score a knockout. On the other hand, if you were the Biden team and you were hoping that this was going to be the turning point that lets you go into the last two weeks of the campaign, firmly prepared to take charge, this had to be a very, very disappointing debate from that standpoint. Nobody believes that Biden won decisively last night. And most people believe that it went from Trump winning by a small margin to Trump winning by a big margin. But I would say overwhelmingly people thought Trump did pretty well. And that means he has a momentum going into the last 10 days that's pretty formidable. This is exactly what happened to Hillary. The president is going to be doing between three and five rallies a day, every day. There's no evidence that the Biden team is prepared to try to keep up with that. And as you've heard me say before, but it bears repeating when you're thinking about Trump's style. If you get, let's say, on average, 15,000 people come to a Trump rally. 100-year-old veteran right here. He looks beautiful. 100, huh? Looks better than I do. 100, that's great. What's your name? Well, I want to thank you very much. And he does not need Regeneron, okay? That I can tell you. He looks, you look fantastic. So sit down and enjoy it, okay? What a beautiful guy. 100. You look beautiful. Thank you. Congratulations. That's nice. Great. I'm glad you pointed it out. And each of them takes their smartphone and takes a bunch of pictures. And they then send it out, let's say, to just their 20 closest friends. Suddenly, a 15,000-person rally becomes a 300,000-person electronic contact system. And that's the sort of stuff that, that Trump had used so effectively. That's why if you go back and you review the tracking, you suddenly realize that the last couple of weeks in 2016, Trump was accelerating very, very quickly. And in the same time period, Hillary was doing about one event a night for 1,500 people. Well, if he's doing four to six a day, with 12 to 20,000, and they're all reaching out to 20 or more people each. The sheer human energy, probably more than made the difference. If you were to look at how many people came to Trump's rallies, and more people came to his closing rally, election morning, it was I think one o'clock in the morning, in Grand Rapids. Literally more people came to that rally, I think 35,000, than his total margin of carrying Michigan. And you start going around and looking at Pennsylvania. I think that was probably the equivalent of three rallies was his margin. I think Wisconsin was probably the equivalent of one rally. 
And you all of a sudden realize that there's a correlation here, and they're expanding their targets. I think the campaign is adding New Hampshire as a target state that they think they might pick up. They're adding Minnesota, which in the most recent polls, the Republican candidate for the Senate, Jason Lewis, is within one point of the incumbent, and she's down at like 43 or 44 percent, which if you're an incumbent senator and you're down at 43 or 44, you have a tough race because everybody knows you. They don't all know him. Then you've got, they're going to, I think, expand into Nevada, where they think they got a real chance to win. And I believe after last night's mistake on natural gas and oil, that Biden may have put New Mexico into play because it's got a very big gas and oil industry. And we have a very, very attractive candidate for the U.S. Senate, who's a former meteorologist on local TV in Albuquerque very well-known statewide. So you begin to see some things happening you wouldn't have expected a few weeks ago. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The president's people are increasingly confident that they see things falling into place. And I would guess that the campaign's last days ought to be about 70% economics, 20% the Biden family corruption, and 10% how we're going to get to a dramatically better future despite COVID. I think if they were to discipline themselves into something like that, I think that the president would be probably optimizing his probable vote 
if you're Biden, I think he showed you last night everything he's got. You know, he's on the left. He's trying to rally people who are on the left. He wants you to join him in blaming Trump for everything involving COVID. And I think that he's going to campaign on the grounds that Trump helps the big boys, but not small business. Therefore, that Biden will be better for small business and what have you. That's my guess. I don't really know. They will, of course, have to whip up some kind of racial intensity because they have to find a way to get African-Americans to come vote. And currently, there's not a huge amount of enthusiasm for Biden in the black community. They will try to solidify their position with Latinos where they've been losing ground and where Trump may do very, very well. And they'll try to maximize their position with suburban females. President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, is very likely to be confirmed by the Senate on Monday. And I think there's been a significant advantage for the president. But I think that's all sort of a positive for the president, unless you're a very, very liberal Democrat, in which case it's a huge negative and really makes you determined to elect Biden. So this is basically the race that we thought was possible. You have a Democrat leading a ticket that is very radical, but relying on people being unhappy with the way COVID has affected all of us. You have a very aggressive, but in some ways very jarring personality running for re-election, but with a track record that's very powerful in terms of getting things done. And I think that's what we'll be basically arguing over for the last 10 days is which of these two represents a better future for your family? Which of them represents a better future for the country? Which of them is strong enough to stand up to Putin and Xi Jinping? And I think that as the country talks to itself, my personal belief is that it will almost certainly migrate towards Trump because having failed to knock him off his game in this last debate and having failed to make a major breakthrough in this last debate, I think Trump leaves and is in pretty good shape to continue campaigning and to ultimately not just win a victory, but in the process of winning a victory, add some seats in the Senate and potentially add a substantial number of seats in the U.S. House. Any Democrat who represents an oil and gas district is now in trouble because of Biden. And all these things are going to compound and grow over the next few weeks. And the pressure on the Biden family corruption scandal is going to continue to grow. And the hostility towards the news media and towards Facebook and Twitter is going to continue to grow as they increase their obvious overt bias in favor of Biden and against Trump to such a degree that it's almost painful to watch. And that has long-term effects, both in motivating the Trump voter and in creating a sense of anger, which may well lead to a very dramatic response to the news media in the next couple of years and to places like Facebook and Twitter. I'll just close with this observation that within minutes of Vice President Biden making his comments about oil and gas, Rick Perry, former Secretary of Energy, more importantly, longest serving governor in the history of Texas, was already out with a tweet and going right at him and reminding people how many million jobs are involved. And if you start talking about wiping out oil and gas, you're talking about economic impact on folks. I think for the country, this was actually a good debate. It was a calming debate. It was a reassuring debate. It was a sense that we could disagree 
without having to go crazy. And I want to close and just say that I thought that Kristen Welker did a dramatically better job than I thought she would. I expressed grave doubts about her. Certainly what we've seen in other circumstances, you had to believe that somebody who was a liberal Democrat reporter was going to be the other debate partner for Biden. In fact, she wasn't. I thought she was balanced. I thought a couple of times she asked Biden some very tough questions. And I thought that she was pretty fair to the president. So I give her some real credit here. My respect for her has gone up dramatically based on what she did and how well she did it. And now I'll answer your questions. Mr. Speaker, what, if any, impact did last night's debate have on the people who are moderates or are undecided voters? Do you feel that this swayed anybody one direction or the other as far as making a decision on the vote? Well, we've noticed a shift towards Trump by independents for the last week or so. We've also noticed that Democrats are being driven away from the Democratic Party. Gallup reported last week that for the first time since 2004, there are more self-identified Republicans than Democrats. That has not been true now for 16 years. I think the debate continued that. Candidly, I think had the president had as good a debate in the first round, he'd be in stronger shape now. But I thought last night did what he needed to do. And if they will methodically stay focused for 11 days, I think they're going to do just fine. I should say they're going to do just fine if you make sure that all your friends and neighbors go out and vote. You can read more about the last presidential debate of 2020 on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer a selection of questions in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Zumo Play.